It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 126 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. F recording today, obviously, a few days after the successful well, say successful game. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest game, but we're through to the to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup after defeating Boreham Wood two 0 at Goodison Park. Um, Lee, it's a um, potentially a game that we can forget quite quickly. But the most important thing is we're in the half in the quarterfinal, and we've got a an away trip to Crystal Palace to look forward to. Yeah, mate. I mean, it won't go down the echelons of Goodison, will it? As a, as a as a as a memorable game, but. Um... It was it was weird because obviously all the home games since Lampard's come in have been bouncing from the off, haven't they? Um, Leeds, obviously Brentford in the cup as well, uh, which obviously was his, his first game. But I mean, I think the it was one of those games going into it where you're kind of in a no-win situation, aren't you? As an Everton, uh, Everton as a team, Everton as a fan base, because you know you expected you know all all the commentary beforehand was like, yeah, you should win this. Frank and you should win this four or five nil comfortably, you know, even with the kids or whatever. And it's a massive disrespect to Boreham Wood because they're in the fifth round of the cup here. You know what I mean? They're not it's not it's not the not the first round or the third round or whatever. You know, and, and up until this game, they hadn't conceded a goal. Um and you can see why at the end of the day, because you know, they were very, very resolute. Um I thought they would have been a little bit more more ambitious, to be honest, but I think they were just trying not to be embarrassed, weren't they? Um, they really came and set the stall out from the from the get go. We're not budging from this this basically f- f- two banks of five, to be honest, um, and and effectively closed down all the spaces. Um, and you know, when I was up sitting in the upper Bullins there, there was obviously a lot of newbies and stuff like there always is in cup games. And there was a couple of people getting like really aggressive quite early on, particularly with like you know the usual usual suspects uh, like Michael Keane. He was getting it a bit. Even Gordon was getting it a bit because you know 
Gordon for me, as as we've we've mentioned, was 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 the only one that looked the lively lively creative force. Really, he's probably trying to do too much if you're being critical. You know, sometimes that's the side of the game he's going to learn because he, he has got that raw talent, raw pace that scares people. Sometimes he just probably needs to sort of relax a little bit more when it comes to making the final decision. But you can coach that. You know what I mean? You can coach that side of the game. So, yeah, it was just starting to feel a little bit touchy and anxious and, you know, keeper taking 20 minutes to take a goal kick and things like that. You know, and you could just feel it. And then you just thought, unless we get an early goal here, this is going to be really, like, really sort of touchy all the way through. Um, and, and in all honesty, that once that first goal went in, it just relaxed the whole crowd. It relaxed the whole play, all the players. And then it was, you know, pretty much a foregone conclusion. Then, but we needed to get that goal, didn't we, in the first sort of ideally 15, 20 minutes? And we didn't do that. And then we just resorted into just playing very, very slowly and played into their hands, didn't we? Yeah, I think that the point that you made at the start then was about obviously Everton were never going to win in this situation. Effectively, it was a it was a lose lose. So if we put five or six past them, then we're expected to. Um, if we win the game by any any means, we're expected to. You know, so it was a bit of a struggle. You know, the the they sat in, the the they didn't show any any kind of ambition, which you know maybe like you say maybe we were expecting a little bit more. Uh, but it was very sort of compact in the middle, wasn't it? You know, they, they sat the players behind the ball. And at times, I think what we were guilty of doing was we were trying to play through the middle when it was, it was just too tight, get out wide, bring your wide players in and, and and make things happen that way. And it wasn't until the little change from Frank Lampard, obviously, Charles and came on the, the Nathan Patterson at our time, who I thought was probably unlucky to, to be taken off. Um, I thought he was quite bright. But it, it gave us a little bit more balance, you'd probably say. Uh, and then, once, like you say, we got that first goal, and there was there was no no sort of real real looking back there. We, you know, Begovic wasn't troubled in any way, shape, or form all game. Um, but these are the games, you know, the, the media all week were were looking for a cup upset. You know, it was always about non-league boring wood coming to Goodison Park, and you know, can he can he cause an upset, get to the quarterfinals? So everyone was against us, so we're never ever going to win, where we but. The important thing is to to be in the in the next in the next round, and you know it's we we certainly want to be, be doing well in cup competitions. We want to be winning cup competitions, and I was delighted just to see us just to see us get through it, and and you know just be be happy about about being into the quarter final. But Lee mentioned there, Pete, the, the atmosphere, and and it was noticeably you know a little bit more subdued. Um, you, you've got to say. Um, but it's difficult, isn't it? You know, to as a when, when you go to a game which you expected to win, when the gulf between the sides is what it was on Thursday, it is difficult to go there and be like we were against Brentford, against Leeds, though you know Man City. It is hard to sort of be at that kind of level, I suppose, as a as a fan, isn't it? Yeah, of, co- of course it is because everybody in the stadium sees it as a game that we we should routinely win. And, you know, no disrespect whatsoever to, to Boreham Wood. And, of course, the FA Cup's, you know, such an important competition that we, we'd love to win again. And we've got a fantastic, fantastic record in it in history. But it's hard, I suppose, to get excited, isn't it, about, uh, you know, about the game in the same way you would, you know, maybe a home Premier League tie that carries a lot of importance. Or, you know, if um, if that was a fifth round tie against, you know, Liverpool at home, the, the crowd would have been, you know, completely completely different and that you know it feels like stating the obvious but it's important isn't it because um 
you know, like we said, it, it does sort of lower the temperature a little bit in the stadium and in the first half. I mean, I did agree with the pundits, um, you know, on, on ITV that we were moving the ball quite slowly. Um, actually, to, to, toward the end of the, um, the the first half, and I think actually it suited Boreham Wood the fact that we we almost matched them um, with like a, like a three at the back, and we we tried to sort of go man for man, didn't we really, and, and just to be better. But I think it just suited them in terms of sitting um, behind the ball uh, and and waiting for us to try and break them down. And I know I say a lot about Goodison, but it's a, it's a deceptively small pitch, um, and I think it suits teams that want to come there and sit back and just try and get something out of the game. So, you know, like like you say, the team were professional, got the job done. They had one shot, didn't have a shot on target. You know, I, I, I would have bit your arm off for that before the game and roll on Crystal Palace. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really um, it's a really tricky thing for Lampard because he obviously wanted to rest some key players. And um, like you've just alluded to there, Pete, I mean, the Premier League games at the minute carry the most importance, don't they, more than anything. And I think that's part of the reason since Frank's come in that the fans have finally sort of you see you see it on online on Twitter that there's a bit more unity and there's a bit more look, we've got to get behind the boys here from the get go rather than sort of like they've got to get us off our seats. And I felt that um, you know, like you just said there, I mean, with the Premier League games carrying so much weight at the minute, if we were mid table now and I'd no issues of relegation or. You know, potentially an outside chance of Europe, then um, you probably would have felt a, a little bit more sort of bouncy in there. But I just think the fact the Premier League now is just everything that it's almost it was almost a distraction that we didn't need really in in a, in a weird kind of way. But then, um, like I said before, you know they've not conceded a goal, born with they're not Bournemouth out in the, in, in the last round. And, you know, so they, they they were they're very well coached. You know, fair play to their manager; they've got them really well drilled. You know, for some of those players, I mean, you know, what a moment for them to be able to go to a Premier League ground and, and play. And you know, the young lad, the Evertonian, what was his name, Mike? Was it was it Kane Smith? Was it was it Kane Smith? Kane Smith, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a moment for him. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that was absolutely fantastic for him as a fan. You know, he's living the dream that all of us would love to live there. You know, to go to Goodison and play in a competitive game. Um, you know, he must have been absolutely buzzing. And obviously, he went round the ground, and he, he you know. He applauded his way. He went off as a sub, didn't he? And then he got applauded by everyone into that. So what? What a moment for that kid. And but speaking of moments as well, I mean, it was a great touch from Lampard to give you know Vitali the um, the captain's armband. I mean, what, what an emotional moment for him. Um, I mean, if you saw the pre the press conference beforehand, um, Irvine mentioned, Daniel Irvine mentioned about how his dad's actually fighting on the front line. I mean, God knows what that lad must be going through. Bless him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, his actual father is fighting while he's, you know, basically playing footy in England, which just for him must feel absolutely, you know, crazy for him. Um, particularly not only because he's so young, but he's come to this country, you know, very recently as well, isn't it? So, I mean, but what a moment for him that that was that that was, and uh, massive kudos for Lampard there. To to be fair. Um, but I just wanted to, wanted to mention that. But going back to Patterson, I wanted to um, just get your boys' opinion on it. I thought he was really. I mean, obviously Lampard had to change it. You know, we know we we know he had to change the system. Um, we had to sort of speed up the play. We had to bring Richarlison on just for his movement alone. If you look at Rondon's movement on on the centre half, I mean, it, Jesus, it was embarrassing. I was just watching him move. It was, I mean, they pretty much had a. 
you know, what looked like some sort of absolute oaf at the back, didn't they? Um, looked like he played for real, never mind boring wood. Um, and and he, he was man for man with Rondon. Rondon was doing nothing to shake him off. It was embarrassing in terms of like, you know, coming in short, going in behind, anything. He wasn't trying to do anything. So we had to change it. But going back to Patterson, I thought, I was keen to see how he got on, and, and Lampard is obviously a bit, a bit. You know, he said it in his press conferences. He, he has got reservations early doors about him. I think more defensively, more than anything else. Hence the reason why, obviously, you know, we had basically three players playing down that right side. It looked like it looked so lopsided with Townsend, Kenny, and him. But I thought he quit. He acquitted himself pretty well. Um, he showed some really nice touches, and he's got that burst of pace and. Yeah, I was more impressed with us a little bit in the first 10 minutes in our own corner flag where most fullbacks there just shift it and then just launch it down the line. Uh, but he didn't do that. You know, he sort of he showed a lot of composure and just like, you know, effectively in a really tight space, gave it easy. I think he played a little one-two and got it back and then, you know, basically passed our way out of that situation. And, you know, I, I thought he was really unlucky to come off personally. I, I, I would have personally taken Kenny off and, and let him have a go at right back in a four. I don't know what you boys thought of his performance. Yeah, I thought he did well. I mean, I was at our time. I was saying he was probably our, our standout player. To be honest, he was. You know, we like we know he is a right back, and maybe Frank Lampard has got a few reservations about him defensively. Um, but I think you know, I think he acquitted himself well. Bear in mind, it was his, his debut. It doesn't matter about the opponent. Um, it's still it's a big occasion for him to play at Goodison Park in a, in a sold out sold out. Uh, FA Cup fifth round game. So I think he did well. I was surprised when to see when Richardson came on. It was him who was coming off. I don't I mean he could have taken off Townsend. You know, Townsend wasn't and you know, we you know we are we are fans of Townsend and what he's done since he's come to the club. Got an assist second half, you know, so we, we can't complain. But I think he struggled Townsend, uh, whether it was because we were so lopsided and there wasn't much space um you know, he was trying to, he was going central and then he was coming out wide and he just couldn't get into the game. You know, maybe Kenny could have come off and, and put Patterson there, but I was surprised to see him to see him come off. Um I understand the substitution, but um I think I think Lampard alluded to him maybe not doing what he was being asked to do potentially in his in his post match um press conference. So it's one of those, it's just about giving him, you know, a bit of game time. And, you know, Lampard said, you know, we, we are, you know, we are always keen to work with him and, and, and improve him. And he's, you know, he's got Ashley Cole there, who's been a learn off Seamus Coleman, of course, who, who, you know, going back maybe six, seven years ago was, was potentially the best right back in the, in the Premier League. Um, so he's got, he's got quality there to learn off and, and his, his time will come, you know, the next 12, 18 months. He'll take over from Seamus Coleman, I'm sure, you know, and he'll be our, our permanent right back. But it was just about giving him a taste of things, really. Uh, but still surprised to see him come off. Um, hey, but, what did you think? You, Patterson's performance. Yeah, I, I thought he was unlucky. I thought he was one of our better players in the first half. And as you say, go, going forward, he looked like he wanted to, um, you know, to take the full back on, run, run with the ball. I thought he used it well. I can't remember him giving the ball away once. Um but, you know, part of me thinks, is it about protecting him as well? You know, he's, he's so young. He's come from Scotland to the Premier League. I mean, that's that's a huge gulf in, in class, isn't it? And, you know, in, in difference. I know he wasn't up against Premier League opposition, but um, yeah, I think you have to look after him, don't you? And like Mike said, if 
if it was felt that he wasn't doing the job for the team he'd been asked to do. You know, that's quite fundamental, isn't it? And he needs to learn that lesson quite quickly. Um, I mean, we can't speculate too much, but no, I thought he was unlucky and I'm, I'm sure his time his time will come and, um, you know, hopefully over the season he, he might get a, a couple more opportunities off the bench um, if we do get ourselves into a bit more of a comfortable position and we do find that there's certain games that, um, you know, let, let's say are, are won or, or, or nearly won. Um, but yeah, his time will come. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I think you can, you can see there's a talent there. Certainly going forward, you know, I mean, he's aggressive. Like I said, he's got that burst of pace, which, you know, at any level of footy, I mean, that's a real asset. And, you know, like you said, he was he was keen. He wasn't just getting the ball like Seamus does most of the time and looking to go square or backwards. He was looking to go around, going to square you up here and try and take you on. He got in behind a couple of times, didn't he? And he got in behind. He, he, I mean, if you, I know, I know the first half was awful, but if you look at the first 10, 15, it wasn't so bad. We created a few chances. We got him behind a couple of times. I mean, Decore missed a, a relatively easy chance and then Branthwaite missed one. That's when um, I think it was um, Patterson who pulled that back, didn't he? And I think um, Branthwaite hooked it. Obviously, it was, his, it was his weaker foot, but he hooked it around the post. Um, Kenny got the assist, didn't he? And I, I, I was watching the telly and I thought, well, it shows what I know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I mean, t- to be fair, second half, he, had to, he, he wouldn't have wanted to bring Richarlison on, but he had to. Um, and then we looked to complete. We played with a lot more tempo. Um, you know, you could see that just from the get-go. I mean, we were looking to actually be just pass the ball quicker. To, but even if it's you know switching play quicker, that's the way you've got to get. You know, when when teams come and do that, you've got you've just got to play the ball quickly. But you know, they weren't carrying any attacking threat. You know, we'd you know just try things, didn't it? Try things. It was a greasy night. Have a few shots. You know what I mean? Or I'll try little flicks around the corner, see if they come off or anything. But um, they seemed just really safe in the first half, but then second half, obviously, it was a lot, a lot, a lot more fluid. Did you but just Charleston... say it was a greasy night? <laughs> Did you just say it was a greasy no, the, night? It, no, but it, the, it was quite a greasy pitch. It was quite a greasy pitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I've, I've, I've a few shots, but I mean, one person who wasn't afraid to have a few shots was Anthony Gordon. As I was saying before, I mean, he is, he is, you know. <laughs> Everton fans, you know, we can be a weird breed. I mean, you know, how many times have we criticised our midfielders wherever for not shooting enough? Now we've got a lad that shoots more than Cristiano Ronaldo in a game and then all of a sudden, like, he's absolutely ridiculed, isn't he? Because he's he's having 20 shots a game. But, um, you know, fans need to get off his back. I don't want him to become another Ross Barkley part two here. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, we bring these young kids through and they, they you know, do phenomenally well. You don't realise how hard it is to get into that first team. You know, he's, he's obviously, he's, he owns the shirt right now as it stands, doesn't he? And and he's clearly loves playing for the club. You know, and, and I, you could see, like, there was early murmurings, Mike. I mean, you jumped on it on Twitter, mate. There was early murmurings of just kind of, like, fans criticising him for his final ball and things like that. And, I, and I'm just thinking, here we go. Is this, is this just the start of Ross Barkley, as I said, part two? I think, I think the thing with, obviously any kind of criticism towards players is in the modern age when you've got social media, it's always magnified and it, it always maybe looks a bit worse than it than it actually is. But you know, I saw I saw a fair few comments and tweets and after the game and it was just, you know, like you say, he's the one player who's trying to make things happen. He's taking responsibility. He probably feels the responsibility more than most because he supports the club. So let's get that right. 
He's 21 years of age. He's this is his breakthrough th- uh, season, if you like. He's come from, you know, a, a disastrous time last season when he went on loan to to Preston. You know, didn't nothing happen for him. He was probably on the verge of leaving the club in the summer if he would have got another another wide player in. Didn't happen. Stayed, fought for a place, got a place, and you know he's been one of the name the first names on the team she's in in recent weeks. That's for sure. So I think. You know, there's a, a time and a place to criticise players. Players are certainly not above any kind of criticism. But I think when you've got a young lad who does what he does, and like I said, the one player who, you know, causes your, your seat to click when he carries the ball, everyone's off, you know, in, in anticipation about what he's going to do. I just think it's a bit bizarre that we feel that we need to then sort of uh, give him give him stick for him trying to make things happen. It doesn't always come off, you know, of course, it doesn't. All players have mediocre games. Allow them to have a mediocre game. But even in in, in a in maybe an average performance for Anthony Gordon, he was still lively. He was still trying to make things happen. Nothing like scores. You know, shot in the first half, which skipped up, keeper saved it. You know, he's the one player that I think you know we we can certainly not find anything towards him this season when it comes to criticism because he's going to walk away with the young player of the, of the year award for us. Um, and to be honest with you, he's probably close to winning the player of the of the season award for us as well. So let's let's just think about what we say when when players say have have an average average performance. Uh, but for, for me, you know, he's he's been one of the shining lights in in what's been a a pretty bleak season, to be perfectly honest. But the important thing is, you know, we we've got through a couple of goals for Rondon. You know, that'll help him, I'm sure. The draw was made before before the game kicked off, so we knew if we win, we, we go to Crystal Palace. So I didn't agree easy. with that, by the way. Did you? I don't, no, I don't like no. those. I think that's pathetic. That I mean, it, that I think that took a bit of the atmosphere out the ground a little bit as well. The fact you know you're playing, you're playing in the next round before you actually play. I mean, it's it's pathetic that I don't know why it's, they do that. This round of games really oddly. Definitely, I don't think a lot yeah. of managers have been, have been pleased with it. But just on 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 the topic of Anthony Gordon, what I, what I will say is, going the game week in week out, never once have I heard moans and groans when he gets on the ball or when he tries something that doesn't work out. He's loved in that stadium. So again, I I think the way fans behave on social media and the way fans behave in the stadium are, are two different things. And we've got to take the social media stuff with a, a massive salt, healthy dose of of salt um, and I completely get where you're coming from Lee about the the Ross Barkley danger but for me he's, he's got a different head on his shoulders to, to Ross Barkley um, and I, th- I think that's probably why like like Mike said he's had the success he, he has this season he's, he's come on so much um, and I, I think he could be a really fantastic player for us j- just by virtue of getting his head down being humble working hard and um, like you said, he's always looking to get on the ball, and if something doesn't work out, you know his his head doesn't go down. He's he's, he's not defeated by it. He just keeps working and working and working. He's tireless, and you know I'm confident that'll lead to good things for him. But yeah, yeah, we meant we meant we sorry, Mike. We mentioned this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, didn't we? About how Ross is probably blessed with more natural talent, but then he didn't have the same sort of like work ethic or willingness to learn that that Gordon's got. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can turn so easy though, lads. And this is just my slight worry. You know, I mean, when Ross broke through in his his, his season, and even the season after that with Roberto, I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. He was scoring 
nearly every goal was a goal of the season contender, wasn't it? And and you know that goal against Newcastle where he ran that you know the, pretty much half the length of the pit or the full length of the pitch almost and and, and scored an absolute worldie. Um, and you think well, we've got the next bloody Wayne Rooney on our hands here, you know, or not far off it. And then obviously in the end it's, it started to slowly turn, and then it got to the point where it, it just became so toxic on and off the pitch. Obviously, as we know, but he had, he had to leave and. I just hope it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't turn the same for this young lad because if fans do start digging him out more because he's he's shooting too much or he's making it he's getting into great positions and not picking people out and you just don't want that because then young players it can work both ways. When when the crowd are behind you, you'll run like he does. He runs he runs, you know, every his his mileage must be incredible in a match. But then it can also work the other way when suddenly fans are on you because you're making the same mistake over and over again and it's it's it can be a tough place, Goodison, and we and we we've talked about this on on podcast recently, and certainly uh, as we know with Foster, he came out and talked about it as well. So it, it can be a tough and unforgiving place sometimes, but it can also be the best place ever to play football as well. It's such a fine balance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, and you know we we've seen Enerayevi over the the last uh, last few seasons, and it's been you know it's been it's been much much better since Frank Lampard came in, even. You know, in in a game that we you know we expected to win, and we know it was a little bit, little bit you know it was quieter, but it wasn't it wasn't a negative atmosphere, I would say. Um, but you know, I, th- I think the scenes at the start of the game we mentioned, obviously uh, Mikhalenko being captain. I think obviously the scenes very somber when when the John Lennon imagine kicked in, um, and obviously very difficult circumstances as well. So f- fans, I think we we were sort of. Um, taking on board that situation as well, which which does and rightly so, you know, rightly so that will impact impact atmospheres, I suppose. And um, that was again, I thought Everton got absolutely spot on. Um, the, the they've done obviously Man City the week before, and then obviously the game in the cup. They, they've been exceptional, I think, in that in that uh, support for, for Mikalenko and, and obviously the country of, of Ukraine. Um, we saw obviously it's impacted the club. In terms of the association with USM, we, we saw the megaphone signs removed from the park end uh, before the game. There was no advertising. We Everton announced that they suspended their association and their, their sponsorships for for the time being. Farhad Mashiri stepped down from the board of of USM. Um, so there's a lot going on at the club on the field and off the field at the moment. So I'm going to have a quick chat after this break about the uh, the suspension of those. Of those sponsorship deals. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast, where, like we've mentioned, it's uh, there's a lot going on, obviously, in the world at the moment, and and obviously that is that has come come back to, to the club as well because of the the relationship that the uh, the club has with with uh, Alicia Usmanov. Um, obviously, USM uh, had a massive foothold in the club. I had Michelle, a member of the board, um, the sponsorships. Uh, of of Finch Farm, the sponsorships of the, the ladies team had a few deals, um, and also the, the thirty million pound paid in terms of getting their first refusal on naming rights for for Bramley Moor. So we've seen the club has distanced themselves over the last week from from those uh, well, from that that company from Usmanov. Um, so it leaves us now in a, in a bit of a predicament, you, you would say, in terms of the the gap we've got in, in sponsorship deals and then throw into the mix that we've also announced that we're not going to be be carrying on having Kazoo as our as our shared sponsor. So we, we've decided to, to break that deal. There was a, a break clause which we decided to activate as we couldn't come to a, um, an agreement with them for, for future sponsorships. So there's a lot of, a lot of off-field stuff going on and we don't profess to be any kind of experts, of course not. But looking at it from a, a fan's perspective, Lee, there's certainly going to be a lot of work to be done by the commercial team. Denise Barrett-Baxendale did mention, I think it was was last month, that there's going to be new new deals uh, coming to the forefront. And this was before, obviously, the conflict in, in Ukraine uh, had, had started. But the, the commercial team, Lee, have got a lot of work to do now, haven't they, over the next next few months or so, to, to try and make up a, what looks to be a, a very, very big gap in terms of loss of, of sponsorship revenue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's look. First and foremost, it was the right thing to do in the current circumstances, and the club have, you know, made the right decision for that. Uh, albeit it affects us financially, it's still the right decision morally, and I think any anyone who's anyone would stand behind that. Um, yeah, it's it's the key word in there is it's suspension, isn't it? They've they've suspended it with with a potential view to looking at it again. Whether that happens or not, we you know only time will tell. Um, but yeah, it does. It does. It does open a chasm there. Um, I mean, one thing we know with Mashiri is that he's an extremely well-connected guy, very successful in his own right. Um, you know, so there's plenty. There's plenty of people slash businesses. I think he can obviously call on in terms of sponsorship going forward. Um, and and as we've discussed off air before, I mean, look, the way the world is now, and the way money moves around the world, there's there's, there's all different kind of ways you can you can do things in in terms of you know being creative, shall we say? I mean, City have been the experts at that. I mean, um, you only have to look at them in terms of how they've managed to do it. But um, yeah, it, it, let's be honest, it's something we could have done without uh, as a distraction um, in terms of like, you know, the finances. We're, we're already going to be reporting quite significant losses in the next financial year, you know, over 100 million. Um, USM, since they've come in uh, sponsoring us as, as a holding group, have sponsored um, roughly about 114 million quid, or given us 114 million quid since 2017. That includes 30 million uh, as a one-off payment for the naming rights for the stadium as well, and that's another thing they're going to possibly have to look at going forward. Um, obviously, they're going to look at debt funding in terms of the stadium now. Anyway, I mean that was always going to be the case anyway. And there's going to be a mixture of debt, even some of it coming through obviously uh, uh, Liverpool itself, Liverpool. Um, I think that they are going to proceed. I think I think I read it's around about thirty odd million, isn't it, in terms of uh, and 
we're going to gain from it. We, we don't want to go down that route again with Liverpool fans saying that we're, you know, we're gleaning off the city and stuff like that. But we're going to be getting roughly 30 million off that through government funding. Um, but then the vast majority of it will come from other sources of debt as well. The only worry is, is obviously, you know, as, as things progress and horrendously regress over there, how long is this going to actually take effect and the stranglehold of, 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 of sponsorship in general out there? And what doesn't help us either is our league position. You know, I mean, it's hard to negotiate, you know, a really strong deal, possibly maybe that's what it was with Kazoo as well, when obviously we're, we're floundering at the bottom of the league. Um, you know, so it's, 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 it's a real tricky one, really. It really is. Um, but look, as I said, we have full confidence in Farhad. He's ejected a lot of money into the club already himself. Um, I wouldn't have any concerns around Bramley Moore, in all fairness. I mean, they've spent roughly £100 million already so far in terms of getting where they've got to, uh, in terms of filling in the dock, getting the foundations laid and the initial stages. And most of that's come from Farhad himself. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't see there being any issues at all there. Um, and obviously what we have read as well recently came out that he's he had an 8% shareholding in USM, uh, Farhad himself, and he's he, he stepped away from that now, hasn't he? Or distanced himself from it. So there's a lot of things going on. You know, you only have to look down in, down in London as well with Abramovich suddenly out of nowhere, you know, first of all, handing it over to the trustees. And then within a few days later, he's looking to sell it quickly, isn't he, for two and a half billion. So um, there's a lot of sort of to and froing going on at the minute. Um, so it is a bit of an uncertain time. But as Frank's alluded to in his press conference, because he's probably fed up for answering the question, he's been asked it a few times now from different people. His job is just to focus on the pitch and focus on, you know, getting those players ready for this really, really key fixtures coming up over the next few weeks. Um, whether it affects his transfer spend in the summer, well, that's something we'll have to address nearer, nearer the time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's something to worry about as much as we actually should do um, currently, personally. Yeah, I suppose you could you could say it's difficult, isn't it? You, you you try and you try and switch off in a way as a fan. I mean, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I wouldn't even thought about it. To be honest with you, you just you just don't. I think I think fans have changed because of now the information that maybe we have access to. Um, the, the platforms you have access to where someone can say something and it can spiral into, you know, into something something else. And I think, you know, it's it's a big it's a big situation that we find ourselves in. I think you're right in terms of the, the negotiating point of view is where we are in the Premier League. If hopefully in say three or four weeks' time we pick up a few wins and we're looking things looking a little bit more state, you know, more stable, then that it's much easier to negotiate deals with with sponsors from that perspective. Um, Bramley Moore's always going to be a concern because of the you know the chances are USM would have been uh, on the side of the stadium. Uh, I know they paid the thirty million pound one-off payments, um, which has been paid and banked. I'm, I'm almost certain of um, to give them first refusal. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that they would have taken up that option. And it was all about what would that deal have been worth to the club when we actually got down to Bramley Moore as well. So there's a, there's a lot of lot of things going on. Um, you know, things are unstable globally because of the the conflict in in Ukraine. I'm sure you know you you see a lot of a lot of companies obviously have pulled out of of Russia itself, and there's a there's a lot of un, unstable uh, unstable aspects to the to the market at this moment in time. So I think things are going that, that is for sure. But like you say, the decision that was made by the club was totally correct. It had to be made. Um, 
and it's it's now I say it's now up to the commercial team, Farhad Mashiri as well to 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 sort out things at least in the short term um, for, from the shared sponsorship and sorting out more the the sponsorship of of uh, Finch Farm and and obviously around the around Goodison Park as well get those shorter term issues sorted because I think I think Bramley Moor. Like you say, I'm pretty satisfied that there'd be, there'd be no issue with Bramley Moor. Um, and the, the talk from from the site itself is there's you know nothing's changed. They don't envisage any kind of change. They they seem to be, they they believe Lango believe funding has been secured. In in what guys that is, I don't know. So I don't envisage that that to be a huge issue. But because of the situation we are in financially anyway, even if if things were were, were running as they as they were. Say two or three weeks ago, we we are still in a predicament, and how we're going to address that, um, I don't know. I mean, Pete, do you, do you think that will the Premier League take some kind of ruling on this? Do you think you know if if clubs have been impacted by this conflict and the the decision is made to to remove deals from you know from oligarchs like uh, Usmanov? Do you think the Premier League will look at that? more favourably and sort of say, well, okay, put, put an asterisk by that almost. That's heavily impacted your income for the season. Well, the the, the cynic in me said, <laughs> wants to say no. And it, it would just be sod's law, wouldn't it, after, you know, Newcastle's takeover and all the controversy surrounding that, um, that something that then impacts Everton is, um, you know, is it, sort of additionally penalised. So... It, it's hard to predict, isn't it? I suppose on the one hand, it, there's an argument that it's not sort of affected, um, you know, a number of Premier League clubs. So, that, you know, by that extension, do the Premier League have a, any responsibility whatsoever um, to, I don't know, to change sort of FFP for either those particular clubs or, you know, Premier League clubs in general? Um, I, I suppose it's hard as well to neatly partial out, neatly separate what's, I guess an appropriate political statement from Everton at severing certain ties, um, and how much will be affected sort of commercially. Um, you know what, how that will affect our so sponsorship and, and income. Um, I mean, I, hopefully, it's something that doesn't need to be thought about. But yeah, I, I can just see I can just see it being sod's law go, to to go against us or. Um, for us to be treated differently from from other clubs, let's say. Well, Chelsea are another club that will be affected, obviously, as well. Um, and Chelsea, are obviously, um, but but are in the process say, of being sold. Yeah, they are. But they're, so they're, they're, they're bought they're out by, by obviously not owner. How many Premier League clubs then? Are, are potentially, yeah, it's not it's not just the owner; it's the sponsorship as well. They've got a lot of sponsorship deals tied in with Russian affiliates and stuff like that as well, haven't they? So I think. Look, at the moment, it's all speculation, you know, and it's going to be tricky. The stadium, going back to the stadium, Mike, I mean, effectively, it's going to cost roughly, I reckon, $550 million. It'll probably go over budget like these things always do. Um, but if you look at the way Arsenal and Spurs, um, it, they, they funded the majority of that build um, with debt, a 30-year loan. And that'll be the same with Everton going forward. Now, obviously, how who comes to the table in terms of funding that debt, we don't know. But, you know, Mishiri's, you know, let's be honest, they're going to be pretty confident they can secure that. They, they, they wouldn't have spent £100 million so far in doing the original groundwork because they didn't think they were going to get the, the rest of the money to, to, to fund the stadium. So 
I don't think there's anything to worry about there at all. Um, and as I said, that'll be structured over a long-term long-term loan and it'll be paid off like one big mortgage effectively we paid off over that time. So the key thing for us now is, like you just alluded to there, Mike, is the short term. The club remain pretty confident that he, despite walking away from negotiations with Kazoo, that they, they are, you know, there are others in the pipeline that they can bring to the table, potentially for higher amounts of money. Um, you know, hopefully that is the, that does prove to be the case. Um, I mean, despite our league position this year, you know, we do still carry it, you know, um, a big name in the league, really. Um, and you know, I, I do think we'd be able to, you know, negotiate better deals than what we were being offered from Kazoo in the first place. Um, and let's be honest, it wasn't an actually out and out individual deal for us anyway they sponsor Villa don't they as well and things like that so it wasn't as if it was like a you know a certain deal that was applicable for Everton so um let's see how it plays out but as I said in summary really there's not as much to worry about as as, as I, would, I would I would actually think yes we are going to report huge losses we all knew that anyway the key is is not to try and affect Lampard too much in terms of you know he's going to want to bring in certain players in the summer um, in all fairness, as we've all said, and, and it pains us to say it, you know, one of our crown jewels is probably going to have to be sold as well. And whether that is, you know, the likes of Calvert-Lewin, um, you know, Pickford possibly or Richarlison, I don't know. I mean, if you were to ask me to pick one now, um, I would possibly say it'd be lean towards Calvert-Lewin in terms of what, he, you know, what we could get for him, 60, 70 million quid. He's had an injury-prone season this season. And, um, you know, I, I just, yeah, look, you'd hate to lose him because I think he could go on to be a top, top centre-forward. He, well, he already is a top centre-forward when he's fully fit. Um, but I think that was always going to be the plan anyway, wasn't it? That we were going to be looking to to sell one of our crown jewels to, to allow the manager to reinvest and buy some of his own players. Yeah, that's, that's football. We've had this conversation many times over the last last few years. That's that's the uh, the business of football. And you, the idea is to, to build players up to then sell them on for a profit so you can reinvest and look to improve further. So I'm sure in the summer that will happen. Probably more Calvert-Lewin or Richardson over, over Jordan Pickford, I would I would think, at, at this particular time. But let, let's see how the, the, the next sort of few weeks, few months go. I'm sure more detail will emerge. I'm sure more deals will be signed from a sponsorship uh, perspective. Um, and whether whether people maybe like it or not, You've got to trust those people at the top of the club to, to get that right and, and do what is right for the club as well. Um, so more information, will, I'm sure, will, will emerge uh, over the next the next few weeks. But we'll we'll call we'll call time on that chat there. Um, and we're going to take our, our final break and look ahead to the trip. Our next Premier League game is coming coming tomorrow as we speak as we speak today. Monday night football, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So we'll we'll see about that after this after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. And it's time to look ahead to Monday's game against Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Tottenham, such a funny side, aren't they? Such an inconsistent side. Made their, 
and mind you, you'll change going back a little while ago over the course of this season when uh, Nuno Espirito Santo was removed and, and uh, Antonio Conte came in. Um, obviously, he was in charge just when they came to Goodison Park uh, when we when it was nil nil, and we were uh, we we won a penalty and lost a penalty via VAR. But we won't say any more about VAR after uh, after last week. But it's Tottenham are so are so inconsistent, aren't they? Pete? You know, you never know what you're going to get with them. You, you see them go away to Man City and win. You you see them obviously go away to Leeds and win. You know they, they'll then lose a game. Um, like they did in the cup away at Middlesbrough, uh, they just they just can't sort of buy consistency. Um, and does that give you a bit of hope going into Monday, Pete? That we can go there. Obviously, we've got a few lads who didn't play midweek because they were cup tied and you know little niggling injuries and things like that. But does it give you hope that we can go there and and get a real positive result? You know, it it, it does. Um, it really does because. Like you say, you don't know what Tottenham are going to turn up. I mean, I watched them against Leeds, um, where they won four 0 And although Leeds were terrible, uh, Tottenham were just at the ruthless best. Um, you know, one of those were Harry Kane. He can make it, well. We know he can make a goal out of absolutely nothing, and he loves scoring against us. Um, so that that's always a worry. Uh, and you know, Son generally um, turns up when we when we play Spurs, and they've got they've got some fantastic players, but then equally they just seem to be able to fall apart or become a bit sort of limp or to- or you know toothless and they let they let a lot of players go in January and it's it, it's it seems quite clear that Conte's not particularly happy with the squad he's got. Um so there's certainly a team in transit transition and you know maybe that accounts somewhat for for their inconsistency. I think in a weird way <laughs> Conte being manager is is sort of the worry for me because He's so ins- insanely brilliant. And I thought his comments um, two or three weeks ago, uh, you know, were, were really telling where he, he almost said, you know, something along the lines of maybe he's not the right man for the job uh, or the club would be looking at his position. Um, and I thought it was a really clever way of, of trying to get a response from the players, really. Um I just think it's such an uncertain game. I've just looked at the, the stats then. We're five to one to win that game. I can't believe how um how sort of big outsiders we are. So they're, they're the odds on favour. The bookies certainly fancy them, but I, I think we could go there and get something. Yeah, there's the you are right. I mean Conte Conte is such a character, isn't he? He almost he almost gave himself the sack, didn't he, in that interview <laughs> after the game? Saying, you know, I'm I'm not sure I'm the right man for the job. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, it's absolutely hilarious to it how 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 brutally honest he is with it, with with the players and things like that. And Tottenham have been a weird team recently. I mean, um, that game at Goodison, like you said, Mike, he clearly came there and just didn't want to lose his first game. Yeah, he knows obviously Goodison's a tough place to go to, and Kavanagh strikes again, doesn't he? Uh, although to be fair, it was him that gave the pen, and it was overruled, which was another bizarre decision. But um, you know, we deserve to win that day anyway on the balance of play. And, um, but then. You know, they, 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 they'd lost three on the spin, including to Southampton, to Wolves. And then they go and play City and, and, and were absolutely superb in that game and beat City. And then they go to Burnley after that and lose 1-0 to Burnley away. Um, so very, very strange side. But um, I mean, one thing for sure, and he was heavily criticised at the start of the season because his mind was clearly elsewhere in terms of the City move. But Harry Kane recently has been absolutely outstanding, outstanding. 
I mean, if you want a, a number nine, I mean, he's up there for me. When he plays like that, he's up there with, with, with Lewandowski, isn't he? You know, in terms of how he plays. and I mean, what a player. I mean, he's got everything. I mean, he could destroy you and he has destroyed us, as Pete said in the past. So the key would be, it's, it's just to try and keep him quiet as much as possible. Um, you know, it's Conte's getting him to stay more, you know, a bit like what... Um, a bit like what Carlo did with Dom is trying to stay closer to the goal to impact more of the game and obviously get more shots off and things like that. But he, he he's a real danger. But then he drops deep like he did the other day and then as always clips you know clips Son in every single time. As soon as he gets the ball, Son's gone, hasn't he? And and, and he finds him more often than not. And I think they broke the record, didn't they, last week in terms of the most combined goals. Um, I think they beat Drogba and Lampard, wasn't it? Was it Drogba and Lampard? Yeah, they beat? yeah ironically. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they're they're the danger men. They're the danger men. Kulovsky, Kulovsky, That's how you pronounce it. He, he's he's a young kid that's come from Juve. He's looked bright since he's come in. Um, Lucas Moore has been injured recently. He's come in and and and, and done a little bit. Um, Benton Kerr, I really think he's he's a real talented kid that his career stalled a little bit. And when he first burst on the scene, he was you know he was. Muted to be almost like the next next bus gets or something, but he they've signed him as well. So yeah, look, it'd be, it'd be a tricky game. I mean, five to one. I mean, that's that seems ridiculous, Pete. But I mean, having said that, when you look at our away form, we've won one game all season away from home with Brighton, so that's probably why it's di- dictating that. Um, but I just uh, the key is like with these away games, and hopefully Lampard's getting his message across. If we go a goal behind after 10 minutes or they lay siege on us and get, get an early goal, we've got, to, we've got to be resilient, haven't we? We've got to basically say, well, look, yeah, we are 1-0 behind. Right, let's react to this. Um, and it's been too easy for us away from home. And we've showed it even under Lampard at Southampton and, and Newcastle that our heads just drop as if to say, oh, here we go again. We've got the crowd behind, behind the opposition now and we've got... You know, we've got to show that resilience, and a lot of it is mental resilience, and it's that ability to say, you know, you know, no, you know what? No, we're not getting beat today. We're gonna, we're gonna dig in and have a go, and and, and that's, I and mean, that doesn't happen overnight, and that's something Lampard clearly has seen in his early, early doors at Everton. But um, for me, they've got to really dig in in that game and try and get something. The results partially have gone our way over the weekend. Burnley losing again. They've lost, I think, two in a row now when they were starting to show a little bit of form. Newcastle have just come out of nowhere since they beat us, haven't they? They've gone on a hell of a run. I think they've won five out of the last six, which is incredible. Um, and then Brentford were absolutely nosediving towards there, but they've suddenly turned, you know, got a win out of nowhere away from home yesterday with Ivan Tony getting a hat-trick. Um, and then obviously Leeds have brought a new manager in. And to be honest, they deserved something out of that game yesterday. They were very unfortunate. Um, and they ended up losing it, but that's good news for us. So they've lost, I think, six out of the last seven now. Um, so they're, they're, you know, we've got three games in hand on Le- games in hand on Leeds, four on Brentford, um, and I think it's two, is it two on Burnley, two on Burnley. Yeah. So Lampard is right. You know, let's not get carried away. Let's not be looking at the table. And if we do happen to drop into that bottom three at some stage, you know, don't let it affect you mentally. You know, the crowd. As I said before in the end of the podcast, don't let that anxiety kick in and let it affect, you know, seep into the players at Goodison. At the end of the day, yes, they are games in hand; they're not guaranteed wins, but we do know that, you know, they are winning. We have got some winnable games coming up, 
Um, and particularly, the, you know, the week after Tottenham, as we've as we've alluded to before, those three games in a week, two of which are at home, are massive, aren't they? Well, the, the Watford one, obviously, now has been pulled because it's going to be FA Cup quarter-final weekend. So that week now takes the form of um, Wolves on, on the Saturday, Newcastle Thursday, and then obviously the weekend will be Crystal Palace away in the Cup. So the, the Watford game is being moved, well, will, will be moved. So we're going to have another game in hand there, aren't we? Which you've got to sort of wedge in somewhere so it's that game there's Leicester there's Burnley you know these games which have uh, which have been moved postponed for a variety of reasons so like you said before it's good having games in hand I'd rather point on the board but we are we are where we are um, we haven't dropped into the bottom three we, we are still a point above as we as we speak today um, and there's no reason why like I said I think with the players that are coming back in you know it looks like Dom's going to be fit whether he gets the nod to start the game uh, Damari Gray would have been starting against uh, Boreham Wood but had a bit of a bit of a fever so he was a bit unwell didn't risk him so he's probably going to come back in obviously you've got Van der Beek who's definitely going to come back into a midfield three you would think Deli Ali's back in uh, El Ghazi back in the squad because obviously Cup tied as well and he's close but uh, the manager seems to think he's going to be. Wolves will be the game he, he's back for. So we're starting to look a little bit fitter and fresher at the right time of the season. So it'll be good to get those players back in in the mix um, for, for Monday's Monday's game. And they certainly gave us that bit more quality. We, we showed against Man City with that that midfield three, with the Corey back in there with, with Van der Beek and, and Alain, how how good it can, it can look, especially for that first 45 minutes. So... I think we, we will look a lot better, certainly, than, than we look Thursday in a, in a game that was difficult to get up for. I wouldn't read too much into that. A lot of changes, a lot of fringe players getting the nod. Um, but I expect us to look to look a lot better come come Monday night against Spurs. And I think any kind of you know positive result there would be great. A draw or even better, a win would, would be good to just kickstart something before we go into, into games that we, we maybe see as a little bit more, more winnable. Uh, which I hate to say because we've been here before this season where we, we say we should beat them, we should beat them and we haven't. But I think we've, we've certainly turned a corner in terms of performances, I think, with Frank Lampard. Um, and that gives me that positivity going into into this game. Uh, but let's have your predictions for, for the game. Lee, what are you saying? Top my weight. Um, I'm going to go draw. Um, I'll take the point right now, actually. I'm, I'm going to go draw, I think. Spurs, Spurs, as I said, have showed signs of um, you know their old selves in, in patches, um, and certainly Kane and Son have. Um, so I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say one one. Pete. Yeah, that was me as well. I was going to say one one. Harry Kane, unfortunately, and uh, Michael Keane corner. Um, don't be don't be surprised as, as well if he goes with a, a back three or back five because I I think he might look to to match Spurs. Um, so I think it could be quite a, a careful performance, but yeah, I'll, um, I'll bite anyone's arm off for any points right now. I'd make it a hat-trick. I had one all as well, I think. Um, I'd save one all, to be honest. Um, just, just as I say, just to try and just kickstart something after real positive signs against Brentford and Leeds, you know, and, and Man City, to be fair, where we should have got a point from the game. Just let, let's let's go there. Let's let's get a point that maybe some don't expect us to get. Um, but we've got, we, for me, you know, we, we, have, we have got the quality there that can cause Spurs problems on our, on our day. You know, we really have. 
Um, so let's hope, fingers crossed, for a, a good a good start to the week um, before we, we then move move forward to to Saturday against uh, against Wolves. Um, I think the, the, the temp the temp the template is for me. Do you remember when we went their first game of the season, the Carlo and Dom scored that fantastic header. Yeah, great ball by Luca Dean as well, wasn't it? And I think the um, the way we played that day was exactly the template that we need to try and to try and go. You know, we went to their own backyard, first game of the season when it's going to be bouncing, and 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 we we effectively won the midfield battle for most of that game that day, didn't we? We played really really well, and we you know we stifled we stifled them, we stifled the crowd, um, and they have a tendency sometimes, particularly with Tottenham's form this season, to get on their backs a little bit and. The way we played that day is definitely the blueprint um, for, for me uh, in terms of trying to beat this Spurs team. No crowd there, was there? I think there was. No. There was. No, no. MC Stadium that game. Well, we stifled the crowd then. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> and different, different Spurs team as, as well. We no, played different team, three, three, a, lot, a lot, lot of similar faces. A lot of similar faces. And I, I do think the the way we played that day was was, was, was a top performance. Um, particularly in midfield, and it's going to come down to that midfield. I, I'm like Pete; I do think he'll match him with three at the back, and um, that midfield battle um, it will be crucial, won't it? And I, I imagine he'll go again with the same midfield three um, uh, of, of Van der Beek, Alan, and Decore as well, um, and you know matching them up in midfield. I, I, I think it'll be it'll be a tight game. This it'll be a really tight game. But the, the key is, as always, is we've got to be mentally resolute, like I said before. Yeah, we, we'll see. We'll see, of course. Um, let's see what the, what the manager does. Uh, and apologies, I said Wolves was next Saturday. Wolves is next Sunday at two o'clock. Um, just so anyone wants to say I got it wrong, it's not. It's next Sunday at two o'clock. Um, so don't go to Goodison Park on Saturday. Expecting the game is what I'd what I'd say. Um, so that's us. That's us for this week. Uh, we'll be back probably the early part of next week. Uh, I'm, I'm away the weekend for a little bit of a theme park excursion leads on some kind of European jaunt again playing playing golf with Ian Woosnam in Turkey or something wasn't it <laughs> with Ian Woosnam yeah Ian Woosnam yeah no yeah just going away for a few days to get a bit of sun mate because the weather here has been absolutely dreadful isn't it so just going to play a bit of golf it's actually a business trip well we'll leave that there then um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone for listening we will catch you at the uh, the early part of, of next week The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.